Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli Cultural Podcast. This is a podcast of what it's Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you once again for joining us. This is already our fourth episode of the week, so we're going to keep this one only to two parts once again. In addition to our regular episode, we had Daniel Russo on Fortinopoli Worldwide earlier in the week, and we did a special bonus episode with Serie A commentator Patrick Kendrick, so be sure to check those out. On today's episode, we'll review our win over Granada in the Europa League, which wasn't enough to advance to the round of 16, and in part 2, we'll preview our return fixture against Benevento on Sunday. So let's start with the match on Thursday. Here's how it went. Destiny awaits one of them. Will it be a remarkable continuation of this Spanish fairy tale? Or can Napoli squeeze through to the round of 16 for the fourth time in their history? Here goes Jelinski. First foray forward. Lovely touch inside. Perfect start for Napoli. Piotr Jelinski. And they now have serious hope. And it's teased in and it's a free header. And Granada have their away goal. Angel Montoro unmarked. Perfect finish. And suddenly the Spanish side now hot favourites to progress. Di Lorenzo was offside at the start of it anyway. And there is the half-time whistle. Well, keep your eyes on this one because there are some personal battles ongoing out there. Now Piotr Zielinski. Lorenzo Insigne, it's on here for Fabian, if he can get it right. 
Napoli suddenly right back in it. Beautifully done. Insigne for Fabian. And it's the Andalusian who scores against Granada. Well, Granada took control with a 2-0 win in the first leg and then again when Montoro equalised here. And that has been the key contribution. And Granada make it through. The Spanish fairy tale continues. As you heard, Napoli won the match 2-1, but we lost the tie 3-2 and have been eliminated from the Europa League. Piotr Zielinski and Fabian Ruiz scored for Napoli and Angel Montoro scored the all-important away goal for Granada. The match started just about as good as you could have hoped, perhaps even better than you could have hoped, with Napoli scoring less than three minutes into the match. That meant we had nearly the entire match to score a second, which would have forced extra time or to score twice to win it. Granada did well to keep their composure after the early goal, and about midway through the half they equalized after yet another defensive blunder from Napoli. That was a real dagger because it meant we needed to score three more goals without conceding another to win the tie. We haven't scored more than twice in a match in about a month. The last time we did that was against Spezia in the Coppa Italia quarterfinal. That's why it was so important for us to score an away goal in the first leg, which is really where this tie was lost. Despite being eliminated, this was actually one of our better performances in a while. I'd say we haven't played that positively since our 2-1 loss to Genoa. We created a number of clear-cut chances and we took plenty of shots, which were either stopped by Rui Silva or missed the target. Silva made a couple of really key saves in this match. Things definitely seem to be going our way. You don't wish injuries on anyone, but Maxim Gonalon, Carlos Neva, and German Sanchez all left the match due to injury. Amazingly, between both teams, 11 different players picked up yellow cards, but not one of them picked up a second yellow. You could argue that perhaps some Granada players should have been cautioned more than once for time-wasting, particularly in the second half, but that's really no excuse. We should have never put ourselves in that situation in the first place. We'll cover all of that in this review, and we'll revisit our three keys to the match, but first, let's take a look at the starting lineups. Diego Martinez had two changes compared to our predicted 11 lined up in a 4-3-3. Rui Silva started in goal. German Sanchez returned from injury, so he played over Nehuan Perez at centre-back. Domingos Duarte completed the centre-back pairing. Carlos Neva played at left-back and Dimitri Fouquier played at right-back. I thought Fouquier was one of Granada's best players in this tie. Maxime Gonalon started in the centre of the midfield. Jan Atecki started on the left side of the midfield with Yanhel Herrera nursing a muscle injury and Angel Montoro started on the right side. Darwin Matches was supposed to start on the left wing but he picked up an injury in warm-up so Antonio Partas started in his place. Partas actually had a pretty good game for someone who wasn't expecting to start. Kennedy played on the right wing and finally Jorge Molina started at striker. Napoli had three changes to our predicted 11. Gennaro Gattuso switched to a 3-4-1-2 formation for the first time, which was largely driven by the fact that we didn't have a healthy center forward. Nikola Maksimovic started in the center of the three-man back line, as he did the only other time we used a three-man back line, which was the first leg of the Coppa Italia tie against Atalanta. I think that's because he's the tallest and the least mobile of our center backs, though perhaps we would have been better off with Kalidou Koulibaly playing in the middle. Instead, Koulibaly played on the left side and Amir Rachmani played on the right side. Alif Elmas played as the left wing back, so he continues to be used in a variety of roles, and Giovanni Di Lorenzo played as the right wing back. 
Timoy Bakayoko and Fabian Ruiz started in the center of the midfield. Piotr Zielinski played just in front of them as the trequartista. And as I said, with no true center forwards available, Lorenzo Insigne and Matteo Politano started as the dual strikers. So those were the starting lineups. Next, let's revisit our three keys to the match. The first key to the match was that we could not concede that all-important away goal, knowing that we would have to score at least four goals if we did. Unfortunately, we failed to keep a clean sheet, and Montoro scored a header just past the midway point of the first half. There were a number of culprits on this goal. First of all, Granada held the ball for about a minute and 20 seconds in the build-up, completing 18 passes without a Napoli player touching the ball before Maximovic blocked Kennedy's initial effort. I thought Koulibaly was a little too aggressive in his press on Fouquier, so he was chasing the play and got pulled out of position. Elmas was covering for Koulibaly, but he didn't do a great job of it. He gave Fouquier way too much space on the right wing to play the cross. I have to admit, I was a little surprised that Gattuso started Elmas as the left wing back instead of Mario Rui. I know Mario Rui isn't great, far from it, but I thought he was actually better in the attack than Elmas was in the Atalanta game on the weekend. Sure, Mario Rui played slightly longer in that game. Elmas came off in the 53rd minute while Rui came off in the 78th minute, but an extra 25 minutes shouldn't make that big of a difference. But for me, most of the blame has to go on Maximovic and Rachmani. This was the 6th consecutive match starting together, and realistically, the only good game they've had was against Juventus in Serie A. That was arguably the most important game, but one good game out of 6 is just not good enough. The biggest issue we've had with them playing together is poor communication, and we saw that again on this goal. Both of them ended up marking Jorge Molina, and neither marked Angel Montoro. When I was thinking about this goal after the match, I thought perhaps Di Lorenzo was guilty of not letting his center backs know there was an open man, but when I went back and watched the game again, I saw that Di Lorenzo was clearly pointing to the open man, and I'm sure he was yelling at his center backs as well. I posted a picture of that on Twitter if you want to see a visual. You can see from Di Lorenzo's body language that he was clearly frustrated after that ball went in. Credit to Montoro, his header was perfectly placed into the side netting, but at this level, if you give a player that much space to shoot, then more often than not, he's going to make you pay. And that's why I don't blame Alex Meret. I know some people would have liked to see him make more of an effort on that shot, but he had absolutely no chance of getting to that ball. Our second key to the match was we needed to attack through the middle of the pitch. We definitely achieved this one. The Zielinski goal came straight down the middle of the field. The play started with Bakayoko intercepting the pass from Yanateki around midfield, and then Insigne made an important poke just before Gonalon got to the ball. Most of the credit has to go to Zielinski though. He truly does not have a weak foot, which makes him so difficult to defend in a situation like that. He shaped up to shoot with his right before cutting back to his left, which was enough to throw Sanchez and Duarte off and to create the space for the shot on his left foot. The shot wasn't perfect, but it was low and hard with a bit of dip, which is difficult for any keeper to stop. The second goal came through the middle of the pitch as well. In fact, it started with a long throw from Fauzi Gulam to Amir Rachmani. I'll talk about Gulam in just a bit. Rachmani played the ball to Zielinski, who turned into the middle of the pitch before finding Insigne. Throughout the match, Insigne did a great job of dropping into that space between the lines. Fabian continued his run slightly to the right, but still very much down the middle of the field, and Insigne played him through. Fabian took a couple of touches to get the ball under control, and for a second it looked like he was going to bottle that chance, but he eventually put it away for Napoli's second. 
In addition to the goals, we created a number of other chances that also went through the middle of the park, which is a good segue into our third key to the match. The third key to the match was that we needed to take as many shots as we possibly could and we needed to hit the target. We achieved this goal as well. According to the official match report, we had 22 shot attempts, 7 on target, 9 off target, and 6 that were blocked. And these weren't just weak efforts from distance that inflated the stats, we had plenty of excellent scoring opportunities. Unfortunately, we ran into a keeper who was up to the task. Rui Silva made two massive saves, and in doing so, he may have changed the outcome of this tie. In the first half, he just barely got a finger on Lorenzo Insigne's free kick to push it off the bar. Then in stoppage time in the second half, he made an incredible reaction save on Fauzi Gulam's header off a corner kick. Silva also made a very good save on Elmas's sliding effort in the second half after Politano slipped the ball through to the Macedonian, and in the first half he came off his line to make a big play that killed Napoli's counterattack, intercepting Politano's pass intended for Zielinski, who was charging down the middle of the park. In addition to the saves, we also had some quality chances where we missed the target. Fabian had a couple of shots miss the target, including one that Zielinski and Politano did really well to create. Unfortunately, that one was on Fabian's weaker foot, and his shot ended up nowhere near the goal. Zielinski and Insigne had a couple of shots either miss the target or roll harmlessly to Rui Silva as well. I also thought our decision making in the area was quite poor. Now, I may be contradicting myself here because I did want this team to shoot early and often, but I thought there were a handful of plays where we would have been better off playing the pass instead of shooting. The first one was the Politano effort early in the match where he completely missed the mark. That was another attack that came through the middle of the park, by the way. On that play, Di Lorenzo made the overlap in the box, and had Politano played him through, I think we would have had a higher percentage opportunity on the cutback. Then Insigne had a shot blocked where he tried to turn and shoot while running away from the goal. On that play, Zielinski was open at the top of the box, and again, from that position on the field, I think Zielinski would have had a higher percentage chance than Insigne did from the corner of the area. Finally, in the 72nd minute, Zielinski spun and fired from outside the box. That was one of those easy saves for Rui Silva. Dries Mertens was making the run, and had Zielinski played him through, I think Mertens again would have had a better chance to score. So we had plenty of chances. Meanwhile, Granada didn't create much at all. They officially had six shot attempts, two on target, two off target, and two that were blocked. Now, perhaps that would have been different if the match played out differently, particularly if Napoli went up 2-0, but I think those stats sum up the match quite well. So we achieved two of the three keys to the match, but unfortunately we failed on the most important one. After the match, Gattuso said he was proud of his boys and that even though we lost, we showed we were the better team. Unfortunately, the Europa League and every other cup for that matter are competitions where the team that wins the tie advances, not the team that plays better. Of course, he mentioned the injury situation, which I think is still a valid reason for our poor run of form even if no one else does. Gattuso said we must now focus on Serie A with 16 matches to play. As much as I want to win every match in every major cup and as frustrated, annoyed, and upset that I am that we will not, I must admit there's a part of me that feels somewhat relieved to be playing in only one competition. Now, before you accuse me of having a loser mentality, I think the sense of relief is only because we have so many injuries, so playing less will only allow us to get healthy again. I'd be far more upset if we were eliminated from all cups with a healthy squad, but if we did have a healthy squad, then we maybe don't get eliminated so easily. I know the Gattuso haters will say we probably would have been eliminated earlier anyway, but we'll never really know. Anyhow, at least for the time being, we will have the same advantage in Serie A that Inter currently enjoy. Juventus are down 2-1 to Porto in their Champions League tie, 
but they're still favored to advance to the quarterfinals. Atalanta are down 1-0 to Real Madrid and surely are considered the underdogs, but as we know, Atalanta have the capacity to beat any club in a one-off match, so they're certainly not out of it. Those two clubs, Juve and Atalanta, will also play each other in the Coppa Italia final. Now, that match is not scheduled to be played until May 19th, which is in between match days 37 and 38, so maybe it's irrelevant if the top four or even the top seven are already decided at that point, but it could also make things very interesting if they are not. Roma and Milan both advanced to the round of 16 in the Europa League ties, so each of them will play at least two additional matches that we will not have to play. Unfortunately, Milan drew Manchester United, so they will have a tough time advancing beyond the round of 16. Roma drew Shakhtar Donetsk, which is still a tough draw, but they probably fall within the bottom half of teams that remain in terms of quality. Meanwhile, we'll only have to play twice a week when the Serie A schedule requires us to. Unfortunately, that's actually quite often. We play Benevento on Sunday, followed by Sassuolo three days later, and Bologna four days after that. Then we have a week off. We should have had three consecutive weeks with only one match a week, but because we've been eliminated from the Europa League, in all likelihood our makeup game against Juventus will be scheduled for March 17th. That's horrible timing for us, that would be only 3 days after playing Milan, and only 4 days before we play Roma. Meanwhile, the timing for Juve is not so bad for them, the game would be in between matches against Cagliari and Benevento. The last thing Gattuso said after the match was that we didn't get to play much in the second leg because of how much time Granada were wasting. I don't know if it's the pent up frustration or the stress, but lately Gattuso has been making comments in the media that I really wish he didn't. Now. He's not wrong, Granada did waste a lot of time on every throw-in, on every corner kick, players were going down with injury constantly, but we had 7 minutes of stoppage time in each half, and I actually tallied up how much time was actually wasted, and the officials weren't that far off. We probably should have had a few additional minutes, but I don't think that would have made that much of a difference. The other reason I didn't like this comment was because we should have never put ourselves in that situation to begin with. For how good we were in the second leg, we lost this tie in the first leg. If we played with the same urgency after going down 2-0 in the first leg that we played with in the second leg, then perhaps we would have scored that important away goal. Losing the first leg 2-1 would have completely changed the feel of this tie. We would have only needed a 1-0 win in the second leg to advance, which obviously would have been much easier. Now, Gattuso did accept responsibility for this loss, as he always does, but I have yet to see an apology from the players or the coach to the fans for the disappointing results, so perhaps the Silencio Stampa is actually a good thing. I'll close this review with a couple of positives to take away from this match. I already mentioned the schedule and being able to focus solely on Serie A. In addition to that, I thought Fauzi Gulam had an excellent match. It was easily his best match of the season, and he only played one half. Gulam replaced Nikola Maksimovic at the break, and we appeared to switch to a 4-3-1-2, which actually worked quite well. Maksimovic wasn't having a good game at all, and Gulam significantly improved the attack. Gulam may not be as quick as he once was, but he clearly still has plenty to offer. He is still an excellent crosser of the ball, which we've known for some time. He still has an excellent long throw-in that can be used as a cross. He had one throw that he sent straight into the area, and later in the match, he used a throw-in to send Mertens long which ended up in a Napoli corner kick. Finally, as I mentioned earlier, he nearly scored on a header from a corner kick, but Rui Silva made a great save. The other big positive was Dries Mertens. He was only expected to play 15 to 20 minutes in this match, but he ended up playing close to 40 minutes because there was so much stoppage time. More importantly, he appeared to be running much more comfortably and naturally 
than the last time he tried to come back. You could see in his previous attempt that he was far from 100%, whereas this time he looks a lot closer. His absence has really been felt both on and off the pitch, so it will be great to have Mertens back. We got more good news on the injury front this week. It seems David Ospina, Elsie Kisai, and Diego Deme are all set to return to the squad. We'll talk more about that in part 2 when we preview our match on Sunday against Benevento. In part 2, we'll do a quick preview of the derby on Sunday against Benevento. This will be the fourth Serie A meeting between these two clubs. Napoli won all three of the previous meetings, but the results have been getting progressively closer. We won the first meeting in 2017-18-6-0. Dries Mertens scored a tripleta in that match, with Alan, Lorenzo Insigne, and Jose Callejon scoring the others, and Fauzi Goulam assisted on two of those goals. The second meeting that season resulted in a 2-0 Napoli win, with goals from Dries Mertens and Marek Hamsik. Finally, the third meeting was earlier this season. It was the most competitive and arguably the most memorable. Roberto Insigne scored against his former club and the one that is captained by his older brother. Lorenzo responded, scoring the equalizer with his left boot, and then later joked that he has the better left boot than his brother, who's naturally left-footed. Finally, Andrea Petagna scored his first career goal for the Azzurri, and it turned out to be the match winner. Benevento come into this match in rather poor form. They have only one win in 2021, which was on January 6th against Cagliari. They haven't won in their last seven matches, drawing four and losing the other three. Benevento went into the winter break in 10th position in the table. They've since dropped all the way down to 16th, but they may have done enough in the first half of the season to stay up. They are currently 10 points clear of the relegation zone, and the way Crotone, Parma, and Cagliari are playing you would expect Benevento to stay ahead. Benevento's last match was a 0-0 draw to Roma, which was a good result for Benevento, but not necessarily a good performance from them. Both Camel Glick and Filippo Inzaghi were shown red cards in that match, so neither will be available against Napoli. Napoli are in poor form as well. We've already had 7 losses in all competitions in 2021. In Serie A, we have 5 wins, no draws, and 4 losses. So with that, let's get to the starting lineups. 
Filippo Inzaghi has tried the 3-5-2, but for the most part, he uses either a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1 formation. Lorenzo Montipo will start in goal. With Kamel Glick suspended, we should see Luca Caldirola and Alessandro Tuya start at centre-back. Lately, Federico Barba has been the preferred option at left-back, and I thought he played really well against Roma. And Fabio De Paoli has been the preferred option at right-back. Pasquale Schiattarella should start as the regista with Perperim Hetemai to his left and Nicolas Viola to his right. We definitely have to watch out for Viola. He didn't play the last time these two teams met, and he's particularly dangerous from the set-piece. Regardless of the formation, Gianluca Caprari and Gianluca Lapadula will start up top. In the 3-5-2, they would play as the dual strikers. In the 4-3-3, Lapadula would play as the striker and Caprari would play on the left wing. And similarly, in the 4-2-3-1, Lapadula would still play as the striker and Caprari would play behind him, but still on the left side. Really, the only question is who plays on the right side. That could be any of Artur Yonita, Iago Falke, or Roberto Insigne. I'll go with Insigne since he scored against us the last time out, and I think Inzaghi will give him the opportunity to play at the Maradona. For Napoli, I'm expecting Gattuso to use the same formation he used at the start of the second half against Granada. That was a 4-3-1-2 or a 4-4-2 with a diamond midfield. Davido Spina should be back in the squad, but I don't think he will start. I think we'll see Alex Mered start again in goal. Kaladu Koulibaly will start at centre-back. I'm expecting Amir Rahmani to be paired with him because I think he's been better than Nikola Maksimovic has been lately, but I wouldn't be shocked if Maksimovic started either. I have Fauzi Gulam starting at left-back because I think he earned the start with his play against Granada, but like with Maksimovic, I would not be shocked if Mario Rui started. Even with Alcide Hisai back in the squad, I still expect Giovanni Di Lorenzo to start at right-back. I think we'll see Tiamoy Bakayoko start as the regista, though Stanislav Lobotka could well give Bakayoko a rest. Diego Demis should be back in the squad, but again, I don't expect him to start just yet. Alif Elma should start on the left side of the midfield, and Fabian Ruiz should start on the right side. In the 4-3-1-2, Piotr Zielinski would start as the trequartista. Finally, with Andrea Petania and Victor Osimhen still out, Lorenzo Insigne and Matteo Politano should start as the dual strikers. Mertens will be in the squad, but I don't think he's fit just yet to start. Perhaps he will be for the next game against Sassuolo or the one after that against Bologna. So those are the starting lineups. Next, let's take a look at our three keys to the match. The first key to the match is we need to play from the opening kickoff. For whatever reason, this team only seems to play well after we put ourselves in a difficult position. That game against Granada was the first in a while that we've taken it to our opponents from the opening whistle, and that was because it was really the middle of a 180-minute match. Even though we beat Juventus, we scored on a penalty kick, and then we sat back and defended for the balance of the match. And against Parma, which was our last win in Serie A before Juve, we didn't really take the game to them. Neither side did a whole lot in that first half, but we were bailed out again by a brilliant solo effort, in that case, from Elif Elmas. So realistically, the last Serie A match where we have taken it to our opponent and looked convincing was against Fiorentina, which was nearly a month and a half ago. Now, obviously injuries and the schedule have a lot to do with that, and we're still dealing with that now. Guys are getting healthy, but we're still missing Manolas and Osimhen, and a number of players are just returning from injury, and yet others, like Lorenzo Insigne are playing through injury. As I mentioned in part one, even though we are out of the Europa League, we do have a midweek fixture this week, so we still play three Serie A games in eight days. Nevertheless, we cannot afford to drop points here, nor should we, even with a beat up squad. 
The second key to the match is we'll need to break down the low block. I'm expecting Benevento to sit back and defend, much like they did against Roma in their match. We've talked about this before, but the key to breaking down the low block is to stretch the opponent. That means Di Lorenzo and either Gulam or Mario Rui will need to get forward to support the attack and pull those fullbacks out wide. It also means we need creativity and movement in the middle of the pitch. As I said in part 1, I thought Insigne did a great job of dropping into space between the lines. He also played some quick passes which caused a lot of problems for Granada's back line. We'll need Zielinski, Fabian and Almas to all be involved as well. Zielinski has scored beautiful goals in back-to-back -back games so his confidence should be up. I think Fabian has looked pretty good since he returned from COVID. Elmas unfortunately has not been that great lately, but he is arguably our most creative midfielder. He's got great feet, but as our friend Daniel Russo pointed out on our Forza Napoli Worldwide, his timing seems to be off. That is more obvious when you play against quality clubs like Juventus and Atalanta. However, Elmas has had success against some of the weaker clubs. His three goals have come against Genoa when they were still coached by Rolando Maran and well before they went on this crazy run of form. The other two were against Parma and Spezia with the latter coming in the Coppa Italia. Of course, with all of these players getting forward, we will need to watch out for the counterattack, which brings us to our third key to the match. The final key to the match is we need to keep a clean sheet. We've had only two clean sheets in our last seven matches in all competitions, and neither of those matches were impressive performances. The first was the win over Juventus, which I already mentioned was a match where we basically defended for the whole game. Likewise, we recorded a clean sheet against Atalanta in the first leg of the Coppa Italia, but again, it was a match where we basically set up to defend rather than to score. The problem with that approach is that you may get the clean sheet, but you're not going to score a whole lot of goals. Also, we cannot set up to defend against Benevento in a match that we simply must win. We have to push forward, which means we will expose ourselves at the back a little bit, and of course that means we'll need to defend the counter, which is always an issue for us. Benevento haven't been scoring much lately, but certainly the players to watch out for are Caprari and Lapadula, though Viola has also scored a couple since he returned. The head official for this match is Rosario Abiso. He's officiated three Napoli matches dating back to 2017, but this is his first since November of 2018. Napoli won all three of those matches. His assistants are Mauro Galetto and Nicolo Pagliardini. Juan Lucas Sacchi is the fourth official, and Paolo Valeri is on the VAR, assisted by Alessandro Gialatini. For my prediction, I'm going to go with a 2-0 Napoli win on goals from Lorenzo Insigne and Matteo Politano. No match seems like a guaranteed win nowadays, but we're certainly catching Benevento at the right time. Even though I'm sure the players are disappointed to be out of Europe, I think they will also feel like a weight has been lifted from their shoulders knowing they can now focus solely on Serie A. I also think having players like Ospina, Hisai, and Deme back in the squad, along with Dries Mertens, will be encouraging. Gattuso clearly does not want to play the Primavera players, and I don't blame him, so it's nice to know that we'll have some options on the bench, even if they are rusty. I'm expecting Benevento to sit back and defend, much like they did against Roma in their previous match. However, Camille Glick will be a big loss for them at the back. He's arguably been Benevento's best defender. So that will do for this preview. I hope you enjoy the match. That will also do it for this episode. If you like what you heard, please share it with your friends and give us a 5-star review on your favorite podcast platform. If you need to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fischetti5. Or you can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fortsanopoly Pod. And like I said at the top, be sure to catch all of those episodes we posted earlier in the week. 
I'll be back later in the week to review the Benevento match and to preview our midweek match against Sassuolo, but until then, I'm Joe Fischetti, Forza Napoli Semper. You can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.